Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana, and today we're talking about The Walking Dead Season 11, Episode 10, along with our recommendations on No Exit, Licorice Pizza, Peacemaker, Severance, and more. Margaret is back joining me today. Hi, Margaret. Oh, looking forward to this. Hello, Diana. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? How are you today? I am (sighs) okay. How are you? I'm great. I'm so looking forward to our conversation, of course. I know. It'll be interesting. So let's dig in to the question of the day. So they're at the Commonwealth. This whole episode is about the Commonwealth and everyone is assessed and assigned jobs. So I wondered what job they would assign either one of us or anybody after assessing us. So they take you in, they assess you. I want to know what job would the Commonwealth assign you? I, you know, funny they would probably, given my resume, they'd give me something creative. So because of my resume, not that that's all I can do. Right. No, it's whatever you present because they don't have your resume in front of them, right? I, so you can yeah. tell them whatever you want. Like, that, what's his face? The brother yeah. is the baker, not the doctor. Because you don't want to be the doctor. You want to be right. the baker. Exactly. So, what about you? Would you be honest or what would you do? Well, wait, I want to go back to you for a second. Uh, because- creative. <laughs> no, no. But what? What does that mean? Because I thought oh, so many things popped into my head for you because I uh, thought you could be you could be like Ezekiel and work at the zoo, the, oh, pet, the petting zoo. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I could see you doing that. Yeah. And then I could see you your welding experience. You could be doing something in that regard. Repairing that wall. <laughs> yes. Or uh, you do so much remodeling of your own home yourself. You do so much of that. So you could work in that aspect or, of course, the obvious, a photographer, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so. but I don't know. I don't I You know, but that you could make a career change. <laughs> A forced career change. (laughs) Okay, so I want to tell you, I put out a poll and I asked, I only gave them four options, right? And in that poll, I asked them if they would be assigned to be a trooper, a Mm -hmm. baker, Mm -hmm. a zookeeper, Mm -hmm. or a reporter. Those are all really good jobs, though. And so no one picked reporter. And it was the order that it went is most people pick zookeeper. Uh, Then they picked baker. Then mm. they picked trooper. And then they picked reporter. Wow. Well, reporting is hard. I know it is. Well, they'd probably probably make me be a waiter, you know? I don't know. No, they wouldn't. No, they would put you in the accounting office or something like that. You'd be crunching numbers. (laughs) You'd be doing something like responsible. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) I see you as someone who would be the mediator who would resolve things. Oh, I like that. There we go. That's my, that's my role. I like that. Oh, okay. 
So the question of the day was, what job would the Commonwealth assign you? So friends out there, let us know what you think. What would be your role? You can leave us a comment on social media, our website, or email at screensinfocus at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. The links are in the show notes. Okay, so episode 10, entitled The Haunts. So instead of that six-month time jump that we were talking about, it's a, actually a 30-day time jump here that they've how been How did the you get that? I don't understand how you It got says that. it at the beginning. It says 30 days <laughs> at the Commonwealth. <laughs> oh, well, I thought it said something about 33 days for Daryl, to Daryl to graduate to his, I thought it was. That could have been, but at I the very beginning, one. it said 30 days at the Commonwealth. Oh, okay. Oops. So they're okay. there 30 days. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, most of our group is assigned various jobs. And Maggie and Lydia are mentioned, but we don't see any, we don't see Aaron or Eugene, and they don't mention them, which I find that very curious. And at the Commonwealth, there's a Halloween fun fest during the day and a masquerade shindig at night, which I found it kind of blew my mind that they had this <laughs> in a zombie apocalypse, but. That's where we're at. So I want to know, what did you think of the Commonwealth? I, uh, it's too perfect. It's like Alice in Wonderland almost, you know. You're going down that rabbit hole, you don't really know where you're going to end up. But I mean, even from before when the original group got there with the ice cream and the, you know, they really emphasized all of the positive stuff about it and all the, these, these creature comforts that they haven't had because of their situation and now they can have them like baked goods you know, the food, just the environment, just sort of like a small town America. It just, it just was too, too perfect. So I don't think, you know, they didn't, I mean, you kind of got a taste of how it might be structured because of all of the hoops that everybody had to jump through before they were actually let into the, the, you know, the Commonwealth wealth itself, instead of those train compartments, you know, when they were being held. Yeah. The other guys. So um, the original groups, Eugene and all those people, Princess and, you know, all those people, (laughs) all those people I can't name. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I don't know, everybody looked pretty happy, but it's kind of like a false, a false sense of security, I think, for everybody, especially when they have all this other stuff that's going on before the break where, you know, the zombies, Walking Dead, whatever, the empties, they went through a whole litany of names. Mm-hmm. Rotters, they called them here. Rotters, right. And um, when they come into the compound and, you know, Eugene is there and where he killed them with um, the son, the son of the the mayor, of the lady. <laughs> <laughs> He's there with his girlfriend and they're all watching him. You know, they walk through like the projects to get to this park and they're going to have a picnic. Do you remember that? Yes. From before? Yes. Okay. And so then all the zombies or whatever you want to call Walkers. them. Walkers. Dead people are walking <laughs> to them. And, you know, they want to eat them or take a nibble. But anyway, so it's like the ghetto versus the, you know, Park Avenue mentality. So the, where everybody is opening is Park Avenue, but where everybody really is, lives until they can elevate Right. Is the ghetto. Mm-hmm. So what did, what did you think? I mean. I don't like the Commonwealth. I, I mentioned it last episode that I didn't trust them. And every time we see 
you know, what we call civilized, something's always wrong, right? Every place that they've ever been that's built something, there's always problems, issues, following their rules, their their way. And so, uh, you know, it's coming. And I actually don't like everything all pretty. I'm like, no, go back to The Walking Dead. Go back to on the road, on the in the prison, all those things. I like all that. And here it just feels artificial. Yeah, artificial. Doesn't feel real. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I'm like, oh, you guys have to break free from these chains and get out. But I do think it's a it's a little bit of a nice experience for the kids because they've never had anything like this. They're always fighting. They're always on guard. I was thinking that Judith had never had cotton candy before, and this was her first time, and she's never been to a record store. So she was getting to get have these experiences that she never had before, which was nice for them. It's nice for kids to be kids. But yeah, the adults, I don't see them, our group, staying there that long. I really don't. No. Um, at least not the majority of them. And we see how you were saying there's such a difference of how people live. When Daryl and his, the kids were in the, their apartment, that music was blaring. And Rosita says, these walls are paper thin. We can't sleep. There, She says, oh, I never thought I'd have to worry about money like I do now. And yeah, and then that, <laughs> yeah which was so interesting. And how that one uh, waitstaff person said she's never had mango. It was a piece yeah, of fruit. Or for her kids. Yeah. For her kids. I'm like, oh my gosh. And she lives here. This is where she lives. Yeah. And she can't have mango. Right. But see, some people can have mango. Just, we see it throughout the whole episode. And also Ezekiel being at the bottom of the list. So even, you know, the medical care, people have to move up the ranks to get medical yeah. care too. So I don't know. It, it, to me, it seems like a socialist type of situation from a top level where everybody just kind of has to work, 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 work. And maybe they get given a ticket, you know, the golden ticket so that they can step up unless they become part of the machine. And then they are advanced economically housing the whole thing faster. So, which is what Daryl's doing. And that's the only reason that Daryl's there, I think, is so that the kids can have a decent life. But it also is kind of like a vacation for everybody. And, you know, vacations don't last, right? They all come yeah. to an end. Yes. So. Well, I kept thinking, can they leave if they want to? I mean, I guess they can, but I would always be worried. So I don't be, think so. That would be the first thing that I would be worried about is like, are you going to let me leave? Are you going to give me my weapons? Yeah, I no, don't know. No. What it you, just well, feels too controlling for me. Oh, yeah, totally. But I mean, when Carol brought the wine in and the guy, you know, the guy in the lavender suit at that time, Mr. Springtime Colors, he said... Oh, you figured out how to get out of the yes. through the walls or out of the walls or whatever he said. And yeah. so you knew that that was a no-no, right? Yeah. Because she got out and got back in and he was kind of cleverly, hey, so maybe she's somebody. I think that guy, so I'm kind of jumping what my commentary is, but I really feel like that guy is positioning because he sees he's going nowhere. He can't mm -hmm. please um, whatever. the Pamela the, Milton. Pamela, Yes. He can't please her. And, you know, he's getting some help from some ingenious, inventive people who just came in, our group. And yeah. 
He's probably going to align with our group, just like I think Mercer eventually will align with our group. That's what I think. And uh, they'll all cut out of there. But yeah, it's a really nice compound. So do you stay or do you go? Yeah. I don't know about this Lance Hornsby guy, if I would really see him aligning. I think he wants to align with Carol. I think he likes Carol. But whether he... Why do he... you say that? Why? Why what? He I likes just, her how? I, well, at first, I think he likes that she can help him. But I think that there's just something about her that he likes. And he's probably just likes a strong, what he thinks is a strong woman. And that's what she is to yeah. him. Yeah. And that know? could be it. That could be it. He Maybe it's just that friendship. He just, yeah. there is something that he, he likes her because I think he would have done something knowing that she got out. I just think he might have reacted differently if it had been somebody else. Oh, totally. But I love Carol. I love her. And uh, she's so good at what she does. And she knows how to play all the parts. And just like you were saying earlier, in her assessment, she knew what she want, what role she wanted to play. And so she only divulged what she wanted to divulge. And the same thing with Daryl. Yeah. They both are good at portraying what they need to portray at the moment. And I think that's why they have both survived. And then we saw how Daryl and Rosita went on that training with Mercer. And he basically tells Daryl that you have to set each other up to win. And so that's why Daryl decides to give, after he catches Tyler, to give the credit to Sebastian. Because he's, right now he's just trying to move or uh, play by their rules and uh, work his way up. Yeah. he's Well, he's manipulating them. But I don't think he's enjoying it. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. you you think he goes along and, and he's... What you just said, it sounded like you were saying he was pretty open to, like, conforming and all that. No. And, I don't think so, okay. no. I but think he he's just al- playing the part to do that. But he doesn't play it very well because he does not hide his... Emo- he's like a... He wears his heart on his sleeve. You can tell when he's upset about something, when he doesn't really want to go along, really, even though he does. So, I mean, well, from what I see. I think that he will let you see certain things, but then I think he withholds other things. Oh, yeah, he doesn't. He's not a talker. Yeah, but you, people believe him. People take him, like I had mentioned previously, he was with the Reapers. And they put him through some tests, but they believed him. And then he was with the Marauders before, and they believed him. So he can get people to believe that he is in their group. And so I think that's what he's doing here. And I think he's feeling out the situation. And I think it's because of the kids right now. He he wants them to, you know, be kids. He wants them to enjoy this right now until he can assess what this place is and then figure out how he wants to move forward. So. I don't know. I like seeing them like this. I like, you know, when he gave up that guy, Tyler, to Sebastian, Uh oh, it just killed me. And I thought, wow, Daryl, the fact that you did that says a lot about you because I would want to get credit. I would be like, I did it. I captured the guy. But no, again, he's playing the role. He doesn't care about getting that credit because he's trying to right now gain that credit with Sebastian and with Mercer. 
right yeah. now. That's what he's trying to do. So um, I thought that that was all very interesting. And yeah, Sebastian. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I think that he is going to die a terrible Walker death in the future. Probably. <laughs> we're going to see it. We're going to see so, it. Let me ask you this. Does his character remind you of anybody from a previous you know, run of this show? I mean, as a character? Well, not exactly, but he falls along the lines of Spencer, Deanna's uh, son, mm-hmm. back at Alexandria, uh, Nicholas, who was the one that was so against Glenn and the one that got Noah killed. Oh, God, I hated him when he did that. <laughs> Uh, in that when Noah died and got his face ripped off by the walkers in that revolving door. So he mm-hmm. reminds me of those characters, except for here, he has a lot more money and control because of who his mom is. Right. Although his mother sees him when they're out in the uh, woods doing their military training. Oh, yeah. And uh, she kind of looks at him like, oh, God, my son. And he kind of looks at her like, shoot, mom saw me, you know, in this light, like I didn't want her to see me. So I thought that was a interesting interaction between mom and son. But don't you think just her history with the, her father and just the people being corrupt, pretty much that, I mean, that's really what she is. Yeah. So this, I mean, it's kind of like the mafia, almost where, you know, you've got to do all these things to live up to the roles that or the responsibilities that come with the title and yeah. i it to me it seems like she's glossing over a lot of stuff and that she's you know she doesn't know who everybody is and she didn't think there was this much dissent so obviously they're keeping her in a little bubble until you know people around her are protecting her and yet her son he's just he's the she's good cop he's bad cop you know as far as in interacting and engaging with people. That's how I see it. She's trying to pacify people, whereas he's trying to provoke things. He's definitely an antagonist. You know what I thought was interesting with uh, Pamela Milton was that they gave the reporter job back to Connie. Exactly. Because she was a reporter previously, and they mentioned how Pamela Milton's brother was... um, I don't Lost know if he's job. Yeah, yeah. And he was somewhere in politics also yeah. because of her. Or something. Yeah. yeah, something. And so I thought, wow, you gave her an, another job in this field. And, and then the questions that she was asking Pamela Milton were not easy questions. And, oh, I just thought it was so interesting that she went up to her and she goes, oh, Connie, you know, and oh, this is your sister, Kelly. So nice to meet you. Of course, she was just playing the part, I guess, too. But I, I, I and, and yet she wasn't giving, <laughs> but she wasn't giving that Lance Hornsby any, the time of day, didn't have time for him, didn't really care about the wine. I mean, every time he said he wanted to speak with her, um, so it was interesting to see that relationship, too. I interpreted it as though this guy doesn't really matter. They're, they're shutting right. him down. They much. are. They are. So he's either going to leave or, I mean, so he's got nowhere to go. I don't, I mean, as far as just feeling like he matters. Because I think originally he did kind of matter, didn't he? I thought so, when too. When they first introduced him, yeah. That's what I'm 
that's why I'm surprised at his role here and how she's treating him because he was the one who went to Alexandria to meet mm-hmm. with everybody and and give them their choice. And he was the one handling Eugene and the whole group when that happened. Right. He's the one announcing Pamela Milton is here. So I feel like he's the spokesperson for a lot of this, yet she doesn't want to give him the time of day for anything. So he's her press secretary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but you know what was interesting? And I didn't catch this till the second time when Tyler had that, when he took Max as a hostage and was trying to get Pamela to notice him and listen to him, and everybody was sitting there with their mouths hanging open. Max, that woman that he had the knife on, she said, I'm like you. I'm like you to him. Oh, I couldn't understand what she said. I, and that's why he didn't. He dropped her. I mean, right before that, right? Or possibly she put the knife, he put the knife to her throat. But I'm like, ooh, ooh, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Is she in the group? So I thought yeah. that was, uh, yeah, but you could barely hear her because she said it broken because she was oh. gasping for air. <laughs> so I, yeah, like I said, I didn't hear it the first time. I had no idea what she had said. So yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was kind of cool to hear. So what else stood out to you in this episode? Well, I think bringing that up about, the relationship when she says that to him. And then when they're going through the houses and they find that closet, which turns into a room with all the propaganda and, yeah. uh, you know, signage and all that kind of stuff. And I'm wondering whose room is that? Is that Tyler's room? Is that at the so. end of him being in his sister's house? Cause he talks about supporting his sister, you know, oh, money, yes. so that's why yes. he's this. Right. So, uh-huh. so I'm thinking he may be stowing away in there. Um, or that's the headquarters or what I didn't really look like head, a headquarters, but I thought he was staying there. But whose room is that? You know, we don't know. But that was yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. OK, so I went for a potty break and I missed that Princess is actually the owner of the shop of the record shop. So I missed all of that. So the first time I see her the first time through watching the show is when she was standing there on the stairs, just drooling all over Mercer. So I thought that was really kind of interesting because I didn't know who she was until she opened her mouth because she looked so vastly different from what she looked. You know, she was done to the nines. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as compared to just this crazy ass chick, you know, and she had some, some grace and some class, although her accent is definitely, I love know, it. New York. I love but it's, it. It's still, it surprised me. And then I realized who it was after she said like three words. I was like, oh my God, she didn't look anything. She looks really pretty. Yeah. She, she cleans up nice. Yeah. So. Oh, I really liked that part. I felt their chemistry. And yes, she looks so beautiful. And he looked charming in that suit. Yeah, yeah. Man, I was feeling it. And the way he walked up that red carpet and Mercer had paparazzi. Even <laughs> kids at the, yeah. you know, daytime fun fest were dressed up like him. So I thought that that was interesting. I mean, he was like a celebrity. And yeah. I thought, what a funny concept in a zombie apocalypse, right? And then I liked that she called him over in Spanish and uh Oh she did? Yes. And then he said oh. something like, I don't I didn't understand you or I don't know what it was. She goes, Oh, I just wanted to get your attention and 
Oh. And then he invites her in, and uh, she said she's she'd love to, and they walk up. And, of course, that guy doesn't want to let her in because she's not on the list, and then she's not in the proper attire. And I'm like, oh, my God, the things the things in a zombie apocalypse. Oh, my gosh. But then, of course, uh, Mercer, you know, she puts her arm on his and says she's with me and they go in and it was just a really nice moment it was really nice i really <laughs> liked it and you know it was really cute on the talking dead he didn't know what ship meant and it was really cute he kept saying what do you mean by that what do you mean what does ship mean and so chris hardwick had to tell him that you know those two characters or people like them shipping and what would their name be together? So they were throwing out names, but I just thought it was really cute that the actor himself didn't know what that meant and that uh, he was being shipped with princess. His character Mercer was being shipped with princess. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm not even clear on what, what is meant by A that. Ship means like basically like relationship. Oh, oh. So when you ship somebody or ship something, that's when they, Put, combine the names, you know, oh, okay. together. No, no, this is all like over my head. They were oh, just okay. saying, you know, that they're the couple, basically, just like Connie and Daryl. A lot of people ship Daryl and Connie, meaning that they want them to be together and want them to be a couple. Oh, okay. So I'm getting so, educated. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, oh, let's talk briefly about Mercer and Daryl. Oh, I have a question, though. Sure. Is Mercer from here or is he from someplace else? Is he British? Because you watch the Talking Dead thing. No, he, he, is he he doesn't. No, he has. He sounds like he's from the U.S. Here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He sounds curious, like he sounds like he does as Mercer. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, okay. Man, he is a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. His muscles were busting out from his t-shirt that he was wearing. <laughs> oh, gosh. But uh, yeah. So Mercer and Daryl, I find this relationship very interesting. I wasn't sure about Mercer in the beginning, like, you know, on the first half of season 11, when we first saw him, I really wasn't sure. But he hasn't done anything wrong or bad. So I'm like, you know what? He's a good guy. He's just here to... um to follow the rules and to uh, have a place to be. Cause I, he tells Daryl, you know, I've been out there and this place ain't so bad. So um, I don't know. I think, I think he's going to come away with Daryl and the group. Maybe. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Oh, totally. He's going to align with them. If you saw the way that they, that um, Sebastian talked to him, about I know. go get yes. him. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, you squish bug kind of like you know attitude. Yeah. So yeah, I and I think that the mother um, Pamela has the same sort of attitude toward him, and it isn't because he doesn't do his job. It's just because they're you know uppities. I mean, they don't want to. I'm I don't know. I, it's just such a they haven't given you enough given you enough uh, private conversation for you to really figure out where these people are coming from because it's all. They're on stage. They're presenting, you know, Yeah. Mm -hmm. whenever you see them, except for the Sebastian guy. So we know where he's living. I mean, we know what yeah. he's all about, but we don't really know what she's about. She's kind of weird with that haircut. Oh, I don't like her hair. <laughs> Do you? Do you like her happy? She's got a nice, pretty no. face, but. Oh, oh that's like so that. funny because uh, 
the husband said the same thing about the haircut. He's like, where does everybody get these haircuts in The Walking Dead? (laughs) So, so yes. But you were talking about Mercer and Daryl and you took off on Pamela's. Oh, and I went off on a tangent. Okay, so he's either one of those people who sees a lot of, um, like he really can judge, right? But um, sees a lot of um, potential in Daryl, but he doesn't know Daryl's story. Daryl looks like hell, man. I mean, he looks like he's been through everything. Anyway, Just he's just a very rugged looking kind of guy. Uh-huh. And we know his history. Mercer is pretty squeaky clean looking as far as just, he does not look like he's been troubled a day in his life. He's got a pretty face. He's got a kick-ass, kick-ass body. You know, it doesn't look like he's really had it difficult, whereas he doesn't wear it the same way that that Daryl does. So I don't know why he's testing Daryl the way he is, because he's pushing all of his buttons just to try to break him, I think. But does he want to break him or does he want to... um, give him more responsibility or see that he's a better fighter or put him in some kind of position of, of power. It's like when you, you train, like my nephew in the army tried to, you know, did this, that, and the other thing to move up the ranks as far as being a, um, a ranger. And he was in that thing training. I don't know how long it was months, months, and they would just cut people just on a day for whatever reason he made it all all the way through, but the other four guys that he was with, they all got cut. So I don't know how what they saw in him. You know, this is the same kind of thing. It's military training. So they saw something in him, and he progressed. He's now a captain. So, I mean, it paid off for him. But I'm sure he went through hell in a handbasket before he came out the other side, physically, yeah. mentally, emotionally, the whole deal. So I think that's kind of what... If we learn that Mercer was like a, mil- a real, true military guy prior to getting this gig in this, you know, fantasy land, it would be really interesting to to kind of parallel that with like what his experience would have dictated to him in order to flesh out all of the weaker people. Because some of those guys that were doing the knife skills, oh my God, they did not have... I like the guy that Daryl was with. He was a disaster. The guy that Rosita was with was better, but he still was semi-disaster-ish. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, forget about it. I mean, she was better than Daryl. Yeah. So I think with what you said about Mercer and Daryl, I do not think he's um, trying to break him. I think he's challenging him because I think that they do respect each other. I think that they, because they do kind of talk. I don't know. I just feel like this is going to be a a relationship of respect between them two. And I think that Mercer is testing him and challenging him because he does tell him, get out of your own damn way. He says, you've been on your own and you've acted on your own, but now you need to basically support your teammates. That's what you need to do here. All right. What other thoughts or tidbits do you have on this episode? Well, this episode was challenging for me because it was not as wild and interesting as the previous one. So I know that you have to lay groundwork for things to happen, but damn, not enough happened. I want to know why everybody's really there. I mean, I think really the only reason that Carol is there with Ezekiel is because he needs to have surgery and they can't get it anywhere else. So that's why they're there. Daryl is all about the kids. He wants to give them some sense of security. This is unlike anything anybody's ever had. I think I don't really have any 
much more commentary than anybody else. I mean, I, what happened to Stephanie? You know, Eugene's girlfriend, where the hell is she? I mean, she just like, poof, disappeared. And she had an apartment. I mean, I don't understand. Yeah. You know, I know that she was undermining or what they felt was undermining just by sending out, you know, looking for something better. Everybody's always looking for something better. And I think that's kind of my takeaway is that, you know, this, this is better on the outside. I mean, in all appearances, but it isn't ultimately is right. it any better than anywhere else that they've been. So what do you see about it? What do you think it laid the groundwork for? The rebellion, the rise of the rebellion. <laughs> um, I, uh, <laughs> I I do because I thought the same thing as you. I'm like, oh, the Commonwealth, they're around these walls. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see the carnival. I don't want, I know, <laughs> I don't want to see that. I want to see the good stuff. And so, um, yeah, I think that's where they're laying the groundwork. I think that's why they had Tyler come out and say everything he did so everybody could see, you know, see it and that we would see all these cracks with the jobs that people had and people not having the food and people not having the care, just all of that. They wanted us to see all that so that the next episode, maybe they're going to look for a Stephanie. That's what I think they're going to do mm -hmm. with Eugene because they haven't showed Eugene um, yeah. and Aaron. So I think it's setting us up for that. So yes, like you said, they're laying the groundwork. So we had to see this in order to get to the next part of the story. But I do want to say the beginning of this episode started with that haunted house, which mm. I thought was so such a bad idea. It was so bizarre. <laughs> Why yeah. would you ever go into a haunted house with walkers? I, I could see if you had a haunted house that was ghosts or skeletons or something, but walkers, because what if somebody turned into a walker you know, died oh, yeah. and then became yeah. a walker. How could you tell? And why would you put kids at risk for that? But again, all these people have probably lived here for a while. So they don't really understand the real danger, just like how people were in Alexandria. They didn't understand the real danger out there because they were, you know, behind this wall and, and protected. And same thing with the people here at the Commonwealth. So I think that's just showing us how ignorant they are of the world out there. I do want to mention the Halloween costumes at the festival because they talked about this in The Talking Dead also, how this episode was the hardest episode for all the costumes. And um, Vera Chow, I think, leads um, as the designer in this and how she made the costumes as if, you know, the Commonwealth people living there and only having so much supplies and and putting things together. So she used things around town to recreate costumes that they could use and how lifelike these things were. And um and like that little girl that pretended to be Mercer, how she, it looked like she was wearing the top oh. of a kitchen. <laughs> colander. Yeah, a colander on her head. And what's so cute, I don't know if you know this, but that was that is uh is it Kari Payton? who plays Ezekiel, that's his daughter. Oh. Don't know if I had said his name correctly, but that was his daughter. And it was the first time she had done an acting role. So he was really excited uh, for her to be in here. And, and so it was cute that she was the one who dressed up as Mercer and won the those 10 lottery tickets or whatever she won. So what are those about? That was I what I was wondering. I know. Maybe some sort of form of money. I don't know. I wonder. Maybe she'll get know. some mango. I don't know. <laughs> Who I don't knows? Know. 
And then also that we see Judith make a friend, uh, May, which I thought was a really cute relationship. You know, I just, I feel that uh, Kaylee Fleming is so good as Judith. I, I believe her as as this young girl who's wise beyond her years. And I just liked seeing her interact with May and how she asked her for the receipt. And she says, oh, no, it's a gift. She goes, oh, no, I want it as a memory of of this day that you gave it to me. So I thought that was really cute. I also liked how her and Daryl were looking at each other in the mirror uh, when Daryl oh, yeah. first put the Stormtrooper yeah. outfit on. Uh, I yeah. thought that was a really cute moment. But what I really liked about what Judith said was when Daryl asked uh, her and RJ about staying there, and RJ, of course, wants to stay there. And um, Judith says that she would want to stay there as long as her mom can find her. And it's funny, but at the beginning of the episode, that was the first thing I thought. I, I'm like, why are they at the Commonwealth? How will Michonne ever find her kids? Yeah. That thought went through my mind. So I thought it was so interesting that Judith brought it up and I thought it was really cute. Yeah, but maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'll just interject here. Maybe that's why they're staying there, right? Maggie and the other people chose to stay. Maybe they're staying there to let the other people, when they finally come home, know where everybody is. Could be. I like the part where Rosita stabbed the walker with his own leg. I thought that was a great moment. I think that Magna downplayed her skills because why would she be a waitstaff unless she wanted to be? Because I think that she would be out there training as a trooper also because that's the type of person I I see her as being. I thought it was um, such a nice gesture that Ezekiel gave Jerry's son Shiva's collar. I thought that was so sweet, a really sweet moment. And at the very end, that song, Eat the Rich, it was perfect when they were, when Rosita <laughs> and the stormtroopers were going through and finding that secret room. I'm like, this is the perfect song. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. All right. We are at our segment and the award goes to. So Margaret, I want to know what was your favorite quote, character or moment? Oh, Rosita. I just like her, period. I've just always liked her, her character. Yeah, she had some cool moments here. <laughs> she did. I mean, with the foot and just, she's just such a team player and she's just cool. And, you know, she's a woman of few words and, you know, she's strong. Once again, she's strong. And yeah. I think that she's a really good um, role model for some of the people there. Just to, you know, you can be humble and still get get it done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love her too. What about you? I know you do. Yeah. Carol, Carol. Uh, I love it. I love that when she was walking through and she had those flowers, I'm like, where's she going with flowers? And I'm like, oh, it's just a distraction to get the yeah. keys to get into the medical records. And I loved it when she was looking through the medical records and the doctor comes in and she's all, oh, you caught me. And she just comes clean. And thank God it was him, right? That it was the doctor that Carol knew. So that was good that she knew him because he he divulged information and told her, you know, where Ezekiel was in the list. He was 147. And that if she didn't get his numbers up that, you know, he was going to die. And, you know, Carol was so affected by that. She was crying. Oh, she knows when to play it. 
She uh, figures out how to approach Hornsby. Uh, she gets that wine. I just love all of that. I, and she's just one step ahead. I just, Carol, Carol, Carol. So I love it. Um, and I liked her time with Ezekiel. I thought that was nice too. So she yeah. wins my award for this week. All right. So what do you hope to see in the next episode? And or do you have any predictions? I'm just wondering what's going on over at Alexandria. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see where everybody else is. I really don't like how they separate everybody's storylines completely, even though everybody's in the same location, except for the Alexandria people. And then um, just, you know, Mercer, the relationship between Mercer and Rosita, just in that role with the group. And then the pink suit guy. I mean... I'd like to know what's going on with him. I think something will happen with him. What do you think? I mean, how could it evolve for you for the next episode? I, of course, want to see the rise of the rebellion that I just said. But I saw a preview. I don't know if you saw this preview where Eugene and Princess are in a room and she's Uh on the lookout and he's trying to get into he's got keys, I think. It was only a minute, mm-hmm. so I, I I don't recall too much. But he brings up this big suitcase or box, and right, oh. and then she keeps telling him, basically, you know, I don't have enough time, or you don't, you're running out of time. And uh, he says, "How much time do I have?" And he wants her to calculate the way Eugene calculates, and she doesn't know how to calculate. It's so funny that whole thing. <laughs> that was funny in itself. But as right as she opens up, and they both look into this box, the preview ends. They are running out of time, and I don't know if people are coming in, people are coming back. I don't know if they're going to get caught. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm really excited to see that. But I think we're going to start to see our group sneaking around and trying to figure out what's what's happening, what you know, what everybody else is hiding, and this whole rebellion thing. So that's what I'm looking forward to. That wraps up our conversation on The Walking Dead, and I cannot wait for the next episode. But tell me, what else are you currently watching? Well, I decided Ben Stiller is doing a show, Suspicion, or sorry, Severance, which is on Apple TV, Apple Plus. And I like the people who are in it. Um, I'm not sure, didn't have any idea, any preconceived, you know, expectation. I just sat down and started watching it. And it just is a really kind of fascinating sort of, is this what it's like to work in the government? <laughs> and uh, I, it just was really kind of funny, weird. I mean, it was just really weird. And I always think of Ben Stiller as being sort of the ha-ha, you know, kind of guy. But he's the writer, probably director, probably producer, probably the whole deal. And it's just really kind of a twist on traditional comedy. The other thing that I've been watching is Suspicion, which is on, again, on Apple Plus. And I started watching that when it came out and they released, I think it's every week they release, but when I picked it up, there were three episodes. So I watched three episodes almost back to back. And it was kind of interesting because it's about a kid who gets in the, the top of the show, gets kidnapped and his mommy, um, who is, oh, what's her face? The blonde who was married to, no, Ethan Hawke. She was married oh, to Ethan Uma Hawke. Thurman. Yeah, so she's she's like the draw, right? Because everybody else is sort of a secondary name, at least to us, because they're all British. But it's shot over in, in England. And um, this kid gets kidnapped because 
tell the truth, tell the truth is what they're trying to get this woman to do because she's the CEO of this company. And there's this, you know, all these other just just a very, uh, very layered sort of um, show. But every there are five British citizens who are over in New York City at the same time, and they're all being accused of having kidnapped this kid because he's, you know, disappeared. He's a college student. So it's just, it's kind of interesting, but it's, it's definitely, it's twisting and turning and people are ki- getting killed and, you know, taken and kidnapped and jailed. So it's been pretty interesting, but I kind of, I like the severance thing. I got to get, I only saw one episode of that, but I'll continue with that. The show that I really liked was Velvet, or the movie was on Netflix, Velvet Buzzsaw from 2019. It's about the art world pretty much. And it's got a whole bunch of popular, you know, famous people, actors in it, playing characters that are really kind of goofy, weird. And it's about the galleries and then the art critics and how they they swing deals and how the up and coming artists and who's going to get the show and who's going to get the space and then the managers. And then there's this dead guy who one of the managers, she's just like an assistant in one of these galleries. And she finds that he's an artist. So it's just her finding his work and so it's just how all of that is impacted. Everybody who touches the art, who's involved with that art, who profits from the art, eh, it's not so easy for them. So it was pretty cool, though. Then I did see Licorice Pizza on DVD. I got that. And it's very quirky. It's it's very, I don't know, I'm, when I was l- alive <laughs> when you were alive, 70s, <laughs> terribly boring to me terribly boring so the summers just were like uh another episode of mash some shows would come on and they'd give you a little bit of a piece or the the game shows you get a little piece of what it was like to live in LA and the people out there and just the lifestyle and whatever and so this licorice pizza thing hits the nail on the head i mean it's just everything that i ever imagined LA would be is in this movie just the and it's shot in the valley and it's it's just totally valley. And it's, again, like I said last week about um, Coda being a slice of life from Pennsylvania and that that community, this is the same kind of thing. And uh, it's got, you know, some pretty big people in this one too, but um, it's very inventive. It's very unique. And that's it for me. What about you? I want to see that movie. I do. I really want to see it, but I'll have to get it at some point. Uh, So I wanted to bring up 1883, even though we talked about it last week, but we both saw the finale. We were both totally gutted. We both text each other about it. It's so good. 10 episodes. I cannot tell you out there, please go watch 1883 (laughs) Paramount Plus. It's so good. You know, figure out a way to watch it. It's amazing. Uh, It's a limited series, unfortunately, which means we're not going to get a season two. Taylor Sheridan said he wanted to make a 10-hour movie, and that's what he did. And so it ends with this. There's going to be another another 1932, which is another piece of this. Different, yeah. But it's still continuing. But 19, I mean, 1883 does not, you know, these characters, we will not see these characters again. No, no, but it's still, it's still going to be as good. It's still, but I know, but I miss, I love, I love the character so much. The story, uh, it's so good. Everybody, please go watch it. It's so, so good. 
I watched uh, the finale of Euphoria season two. Man, that was a ride on HBO. Max Zendaya deserves an Emmy. I really think that. And I'm worried for Fez. And uh, this is a show not for everybody, um, but it's super popular on HBO. Ah, I'm just worried about Fez. <laughs> that doesn't mean any, to anything to anybody who doesn't watch this. But he's like this guy, this drug dealer, doesn't didn't have the greatest life, but he has this one kid that he grew up with, and they grew up tough and hard. But you know what? You can't help but like him. You can't help but root for him, even though he does some bad things. And so now the season ended with him, yeah, in a predicament. So uh, we'll have to see what happens to him. I am also watching Peacemaker on HBO Max. This is a DC Comics character. Peacemaker is played by John Cena. This uh, Peacemaker was in Suicide Squad, uh, James Gunn. Uh, directed and wrote both uh, Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. So he is a character from that. Um, I'm midway through maybe. My son said, you must watch this. You must watch it. So I had to tune in. It's, uh, it, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of excitement and uh, fun in it. Uh, kind of some silliness. And um, I'm also watching The Gilded Age on HBO Max. It's a period piece showing the conflict between old money and new. So that's been interesting. And of course, American Idol has started. And so I'm tuning in. I know Margaret's tuning into that too. And for movies, I watched No Exit on Hulu. You know, it was Saturday evening and I felt like a thriller and I'm attracted to films about the you know, outdoors or facing the elements and being stranded. So, uh, and trying to figure out who the bad guy is. So I tuned in. It's about a young woman in rehab who breaks out to get to her dying mother in Salt Lake City, but of course is stranded because of a blizzard and is held up uh, with four other people at a visitor center. And she soon discovers a kidnapped young girl in the back of a van. And that's when the intensity begins. It was predictable, but um, it was watchable. And I actually liked the young actress, Havana Rose Liu. I liked her character. And so um, I was kind of rooting for her. So those are my recommendations. I want to thank you, Margaret, for your insights and your recommendations. And thanks for joining me again today. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. It was fun. All right. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you, gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our website and follow Screens and Focus and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. You can rate and review the podcast on Apple, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. This helps other listeners find us. We'll be releasing a new episode next week. Next show will be on The Walking Dead Season 11, Episode 11. You can find our website listed in our show notes. See you next time. Bye. Bye.